Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus magazine. Tonight we have an interesting Shiloh and interesting question to discuss. I want to discuss a certain problem that does come up in many homes, occasionally, hopefully never, but occasionally that might occur, and how to deal with it. Um, it's it's a very common and a natural problem might, that might crop up. And afterwards, we're going to try to expand a little bit on the topic and see how far we can get it to be understood. And then we'll go on to some, some uh, things that are happening today. But before we do that, let me just explain to you that this question it, we all have to deal with. And there'll be a difference between Svartim and Ashkenazim, and I'll be able to explain it all to you. First, we're going to present the question. Then afterwards, we'll give you the background information, and we'll show you how we deal with the Shaila, how we dealt with it, how we answer the, the person. And then after that, we'll be able to show you more details about the problem. So here's the situation. You have, this is how it was asked to me. Uh, somebody who, you know, very innocently, by mistake, took the pot cover from a milchika michael, something that was cooking that was dairy, and put it on top of the fleshika pot. And the fleshika pot, well, actually, that's a question also, whether it was really fleshika pot. It was, a, the way he explained it to me was, it's parva fleshiks. So I said, what's that mean, the parva fleshiks? Well, we wash it together with our fleshiks. And uh, besides that, uh, you know, maybe we use it sometimes for flavor. We don't, don't know anymore, but uh, historically, I don't know. But could be we did use it for meat sometimes. And, uh, but in general, we use it for parva. So that was the bottom part. That was the pot. And the pot cover was from a milchika pot. And then he cooked up whatever it was in this parva flavor pot. He was cooking up something that was technically parva, and uh, he put the milchika cover on it. So the question is, what's the din of the soup or whatever he was cooking? What's the din of the pot? And what's the din of the pot cover that came from the milchika side? So we'll be able to find out. By the way, this is something that has probably 20 or 30 different possibilities. We're going to discuss one main one, the one that he asked, and we'll, then we'll be able to give you a few other examples. But you should know there's about 20 or 30 examples here because you're dealing with trafin kosher. This is not trafin kosher. This is milk and flesh. And it's part of it, too. So it's milk and flesh is part of it. Then you have, uh, you, you have uh, traif. You have milk and flesh. You have um, ben yomo, not ben yomo. You have uh, hot, not hot. You have wet. You have dirty, you have clean. You've got a lot of scenarios over here. And the food you're cooking, is it fleshiks, a parv, or milkix, or what is it? Okay, so let's not get confused. The simple question the man was asking was, I'm cooking up a parv thing in a fleshik pot, or maybe pseudo fleshik, and I'm putting a meat, a hot, uh, sorry, I'm putting a cover on from a milk pot, that, yeah, and then I'm putting, and, I'm, and it's on the fire, and it's there for an hour or so. What's the din? What's the din with the pot cover, with the pot, and with the food inside? So to really understand this topic properly, we have to go back to the source of everything, which is the case in the Gemara, 
which is called Dogim Sha'olu Bakaira, Mutal Ochlam Bakutach. It's a simple case. You probably heard about it before, and I'll try to explain to you how you use it. And it should be very, very easy to understand. In the Gemara, it relates a story. Not a story of a person, but a case. That, you, that somebody took fish right off the f- grill and put it on a fleshika plate or fleshika pan. The, the fleshika pan or plate was clean. The fish was just fish. And it was burning hot. And it went on this particular, this fleshika pan or pot or plate. What's the din? So the Gemara says that this hot fish that was put on a fleshika plate, you're allowed to use the fish with milchiks. You're allowed to use the fish with milchiks because it's only what we call not barnat, which means a secondary taste. One taste went into the fish. Um, I'm sorry. One, t- one t- taste went into the fish from the plate that we're putting it on. I'm sorry. I said it backwards. Uh, the, the 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 meat taste went into the plate or the pot, and then it came out into the fish. So whatever came out, it's a very minimal amount because remember we're not cooking the fish in this pot. We're just putting it in hot you know, on, a, on a cold plate, cold pot. So in the case of the Gemara, it was, we call not or not, a double uh, flavor, uh, giving over a flavor. One into the pot, and then, then from there into the fish. So it's a secondary taste. We call not but not. In that case, it's 100% okay to use it with milchiks. The case that comes up all the time is a different one, and that is if I cooked something in a fleshika pot, then am I allowed to have it with milchiks? Again, if I cook something parva in a fleshika pot, can I use it with milchiks? And the fleshika pot was used within the last 24 hours, for fleshics. So something went in to the pot, and something from the pot is going into the food. But it's a secondary taste. Can I then use what's in here together with milchics? So the classic example is you have a... People didn't have fish pots very often, and they use a fleshika pot because most of the sudas and Shabbos are all fleshiks. So when they made their gefilte fish on Friday or Thursday, they used a pot that was fleshiks. Maybe it wasn't used in the last 24 hours, maybe it was, but it was, it's a fleshika pot. And they, u- they used that to heat up their, to, to cook their gefilte fish. And then afterwards, they would eat it at the different meals. So the problem comes up, can I have it at shalish sudas? Because in the summer months, the Shalashudas uh, is late enough that six hours since you had the main meal of the day. So therefore, people, many people have a dairy meal for Shalashudas. Can I use the gefilte fish that I have that I cooked in a fleshika pot? Can I use that with milchiks? And they can put milchiks on it even. 
So this is an interesting question. It's a machlaikas between the Svardim and the Ashkenazim. The Svardim hold, like Toysvis, that, you, that you're allowed to cook something up, up in a pot that's fleshics, and you didn't intend to use it with milchics, but it's still there in your refrigerator, whether it's a, an egg or whether it's a potato. And then, since it's there, you're allowed to use it with butter. You're allowed to put butter on it if it was cooked in a fleshic pot. According to the Ashkenazim, you can't do that. You can't intentionally, you can't intentionally mix in butter into that potato. You cannot serve that gefilte fish with a milchika meal. But if you intend, if you, but, but uh, uh, so th- that's the difference between the Svardim and the Ashkenazim. Again, Again, I skipped one piece, though. That according to the Ashkenazim, if you took a potato that cooked in a fleischer kapat that was used within the last 24 hours for meat, then you are allowed to... Uh, you, put, you, mixed, uh, you mixed it in butter with the, in the potato, you're allowed to eat it. I'm not allowed to put the butter in the potato, but I'm allowed to eat the potato that has butter in it. And according to the Sephardim, I'm allowed to put butter into that. The big deal with that whole thing is that you can't intend to do this from the get-go, which means I can't cook up my gefilte fish with intent to use it for a milch gemil, even according to the, uh, the Svardim, and I can't cook it up I cannot cook it up with intent to use it with a milch gemil or to put butter on it. That I'm not allowed to do. I'm allowed They'll cook it up because I'd like to cook it up. Now, once it's cooked, can I add the milchiks to it or not? Svardim say yeah. Ashkenaz says no. But even according to the Ashkenazim, if it mixes in, you're allowed to eat it. A strange and interesting halacha. But that's called not by not a secondary taste. So that exists here too. In our case with the pot covers, let's make an assumption. I'm not, it's not an assumption. Let's make a new case. The case is the pot cover was used within the last couple hours for milchiks, and the and the uh, and the what you called and the and the uh, uh, p- the pot was used in the last couple of hours for fleshiks, but they've been both washed in the dishwasher or by hand, and it's spotless. So there's nothing on there. But they're Ben Yomo. They've been used within the last 24 hours. So now if I cook up water and I accidentally put on the Milchika pot cover onto the Fleshika pot. Now this could happen very easily, right? I have a clean pot. I know it was used in the last 24 hours. I didn't realize that the pot cover is the wrong one. And I put it on. What will be the din now? So again, that is a case where it's a machlekes between Ashkenazim and Sephardim. Because Ashkenazim, it's a different thing that I mentioned before, but there's a machlekes between the Ashkenazim and Sephardim on this. According to the Ashkenazim, you cannot use the liquid, and both the, the uh, pot cover and the pot must be kashered. According to the, Ashken- the Sephardim, everything's mutter. The, the liquid is mutter, and the pot cover is mutter, and of Padesk Mutter. And the reason is whether or not in that particular case, 
we're worried about anything transferring from A to B and whether the liquid becomes straight or not. It's, a, it's called the dishwasher story. It's in Simon Sadi Hay, Sif Gimel, but we're not going to get into that today. Just an aside, okay? So, so far we have two basic points we made. We had a case of where in the Gemara you had a piece of fish that was burning hot, and you put it on a fleshka plate. Now it became secondary taste of fleshiks. Can I eat that with meat? With milk, I'm sorry. Can I eat it with milk? Can I put cheese on it? Can I melt cheese onto it? The answer is yes, because that was not cooked. But now if you cook it up in a fleshka pot, you cook a piece of fish in a fleshka pot, now we're getting to the question, Machlikas, Rashi, and Toysbis, and the Ashkenazim and Svardim. The Svardim say you could mix, if you have a potato and it cooked up in a fleshka pot, I'm allowed to mix butter into it. And the, the, according to the Ashkenazim, you can't. But if you mixed butter into that potato, hot, cold, minimums, you could eat it. So obviously, even the Ashkenazim admit that there's almost nothing there. But it seems when you cook a pot and you have a fleshix and a milchix, a, a pot that's fleshix and a cover that's milchix or vice versa, and you have a pirate thing cooking in it, it's worse. Why is it worse? Because it's, what, it's, it's the mixing of the two not by nots. The, 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 it, it's a mixing of the milchik and fleshik secondary tastes. So even though it's secondary taste, and we just told you secondary taste, the equivalent according to Ashkenazim should be all right, but not in this particular case. So that's when they're both ben yomo, both are being used today. Now we come to the classic issue where one of them is a ben yomo, and the other one is not. Which one was used in the last 24 hours for milchus of Leishiks, and the other one was not used in the last 24 hours for milchus of Leishiks. So in this case that we mentioned before, the fellow said that his pot cover, uh, it was milchus, but his pot was Leishiks parva. Obviously, he hasn't been using Leishiks probably in, in five years. So it's, uh, it's, not really a, it's not really an issue that, that pot cover is, uh, the pot is not really an issue because it's an ben yomo. Okay. So now we come to the, this man's case. The pot cover is milchix, and the pot itself is fleshix, we'll say, even though he said parva fleshix, and the food inside is parva. Well, w- were they used in the last 24 hours? And the answer is the pot was not used in the last 24 hours, but the pot cover was. So we don't have a case of where both have not been used in 24 hours. We have a case of one was not used in 24 hours. So that changes the deal. When we had a case of where both were used within 24 hours, so according to the Ashkenazim, everything became usher. But now one of them was not used in 24 hours. Does that change the halacha? And the answer is yes and no, as you'll learn in, in a moment. It, according to the, uh, the, the, there's a special thing called the minakaramor. Most people who, who, who didn't learn Yeridea never heard of this minakaramor. And it's 
It's, it's something that's referred to as the minig haramor, the custom of the ramor. The ramor, if you know, if you're familiar with him, Rosh Isilis, when he writes in Shulchan Aruch, he says minig anoigim, he says it about 500 times at least. In the, in the whole Shulchan Aruch, maybe 500 times, or maybe 200 times, but a lot of times he says the word minig. But what's known in the street as the minig haramor is this, is this thing I'm going to tell you now. The minig haramor is the following. If, remember, Ramor holds that if both kalim, both utensils were ben yomo, then everything's asr. The kosher one, the, the, sorry, the, the, the bottom one, the top one, and the food. That's, the, that's with Ramor Paskins. But the minig haramor is in the case of where one is a ben yomo and one is not a ben yomo. So the one that's not a ben yomo, that's good. I mean, you can't make the other one trife. But the one that's ben yomo, according to the minigaramor, affects the one that is eno ben yomo. So the example that the ramor gives, which is a, cl- a classic story, is somebody is, has a pot of soup, and it's a fleshika pot of soup. And, uh, but the pot has not been used in 24 hours. And he stirs the soup with a milchik spoon that was used for milchiks today. That's the case. He stirred a paravas thing in a fleshika benyo- pot that's not been used in 24 hours. And he stirs it with a spoon that's a ben yomo milchiks. So now we're merging, we're mixing the milchika ben yomo with the fleshika eno ben yomo. So technically, it shouldn't cause a problem in the in the soup. It shouldn't cause a problem in the in the uh, in the pot. But what it does is the following: it makes that soup somewhat. Not by not. And according to the Ramor, which we said, if something got cooked up in a, in a milchika pot, or in this case got stirred with a milchika spoon, then you're not allowed to use it with fleshiks. So this, this food is kosher, but it's now milchiks. And if it were the other way around, it was a milchika spot. Uh, let's, let's say the pot were... Fleshik's ben yomo, and the spoon was eno ben yomo. So the spoon was milchik's, but the but the soup was uh, was part of, a, and it was in a fleshik a pot that was ben yomo. According to the Ramon, you're going to have to use the food with fleshik's, not with milchik's. But we have a problem that the one that was not ben yomo becomes be, requires a koshering because it came in contact with the ben yomo. So in the case of where the spoon was eno ben yomo, and the pot was ben yomo, let's say the pot was fleshix ben yomo, and the spoon was eno ben yomo milchix, you have to kasha the spoon. In the case of where the pot was eno ben yomo, and the spoon was ben yomo, if, you stir, if it was stuck in enough of the spoon inside that there wasn't 60 against it, so then you're going to have to go ahead and kasha the pot because it absorbed from the spoon. This is a, a tricky deal, and it's only the Ramo who says this. 
It's called the Minag HaRamor. Many people don't know it, but it's the way that my Rebbe said you should be paskening, and people should be made aware of this particular Minag HaRamor according to the, obviously, Ashkenazim. According to the Sephardim, it's no problem. Everything is okay. Even if one's, as long as one of them, Zeno Ben Yomo, there's nothing wrong. And even according, if, even if they both be Ben Yomo, and they would be clean, according to the according to Rabbi Yosef Karo, it shouldn't be a problem according to the Svardic way. That's very, very interesting. I hope you're still with me. And now we come to the Shiloh that I was asked. My sh- the Shiloh that I was asked was worse because the pot cover came off a dairy food which had been cooked right now. What happened was they cooked up milchika food in a pot, and the pot cover was taken off. It had been maybe a couple hours since they got cooking, but the same day they're cooking up in a fleshika pot. Oh, he didn't call it fleshika, he called it pyrofleshiks. In that pot, they were cooking a part of a thing. And they put the pot cover on top of there. So what we're going to say? That's for sure Ben Yomo. And it's ten times worse, as I'll show you in a moment. And the question was, the pot cover, the pot, and the food. So here's what happened. We had a situation where the, 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 that pot cover had not been washed, which means that underneath it, there were droplets that probably were there and definitely was fresh stuff that was in there from the, from the milk that cooking. And that even though, not by not whatever you want to say, but here you're going to have a little real stuff coming in and maybe something dripping down. Plus, when you get in and you cover a pot with it and the pot starts boiling, well, what happens is that the, that the boiling creates a vapor cycle. And the vapor comes up from the bottom, it hits the top of the pot cover, I mean the underside of the pot cover, and it, it absorbs from the pot cover. So any loose droplets will fall in, and anything that's absorbed into the pot cover will come out through the vapor cycle. In halach, it's looked at as, as if it was filled up with water. In reality, it's just air, but the, but the vapor comes up, it hits, the, it hits the metal, it becomes droplets and falls down. So there's a vapor cycle creating a transference from the pot cover into the soup. So here's a, a, a classic case. It's no different than the case we mentioned before of the Ramon, when you're stirring a pot that has parva food in it, it's a fleshika pot that's not, that's not uh, Ben Yomo, and you're stirring it with a milchika spoon. No different stirring it with a milchika spoon or putting a pot cover on that's milchiks. Plus the fact here it's worse because of what's happening on the, uh, on the droplets that may still be there. Plus the problem is where the rim of the pot cover touches the rim of the pot. When it lays down on top of it, is there moisture there? 
Is there any fresh, is there any moisture left over from the milchik cooking? That depends on how high the, 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 the food went and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So in this particular gentleman's case, we had no other way to do it but to tell him that the food should be considered milchiks, even though it's not really, really milchiks, but it probably halachically should be considered milchiks. And the, and the pot cover is, does not need to be kashered because the pot was an eno ben yomo. It had not been used for 24 hours for meat, but the pot has to be kashered. So that's the end of that story. Again, the, the water or soup or whatever was inside there has to be considered milchiks because the pot cover had some significant, significant stuff there underneath it, plus the fact that it's a ben yomo, and the vapor cycle will take up and down. And even aside from that, we have the problem that, uh, that, that the Ramor is worried about a, a, a ben yomo making a liquid into a, uh, into a, a, a not by not that should not be used with the opposite type of food. So the, the liquid, we told them to consider it as dairy. The pot to be kashered, and the pot cover needs nothing. Of course, you wait 24 hours until you use it, but the, you don't need to kasher it. That's the end of that story. It's a simple story, and, and, and it's a common story. So just let's review what we did so far, and we'll try in the, in the time that we have to go a little further into the topic and maybe to bring in some other stories that are happening today. So let's review the whole thing very quickly. Number one, we started with the story in the Gemara, which is that you put a piece of fish that was burning hot on a fleshika plate or a pot or whatever, which is cold. And then you want to know, is this fish become fleshiks? And the answer is no. That's, that's not Sephardic or Ashkenazic. That's a Gemara. Everybody holds from that. The difference is that was not cooked. It was just put down there. When you cook something, you get more flavor coming out, and therefore there's a shiloh that arose between the Sephardim and Ashkenazim. It's really a machlokas Rashi and Toysmas, and really it's a, it's a machlokas of people the way they learn Rashi. So let's not get lost in that one, but let's sum it up in a nutshell, that when you cook something in, the, in, a, in a pot that is ben yomo, that has been used within the last 24 hours, then you're getting out a secondary taste. But that secondary taste is, is, is now not the case in the Gemara because it's more extreme. Cooking is much more extreme than just putting it down on the cold place. So since you cooked it here, are the Ashkenazim say you cannot use it with the, op- with the opposite min? You can, in this case, you cannot use that fish with milchiks. And according to the Sephardim, you can. Again, we don't plan to do it. We don't put it in the, cook it up with intention that the potato is going to have milk. We're going to put butter on the potato because that, that's not the right way. But once it was cooked and sitting in your refrigerator or just sitting on the, in the pot and you say, you know what, this would taste good with some butter, you're allowed to eat it that way according to the Svardim and according to the Ashkenazim not. But if you did put the, the, the butter into the potato, maybe you forgot it was in a flesh of a pot, it came from a place of Gapat, then you did put the butter into the potato according to the Ashkenazim, you're allowed to eat it. 
So that's the difference between Ashkenaz and Sfarad on not by not. In terms of the pot covers and the pots, so we said like this. If you have a case where both the top and the bottom, the pot cover and the pot, one is milchis and one is fleshik, I don't care which one, and they haven't been used in the last 24 hours for milchis or fleshik, then anything you get cooked up in that, even though you merge the two, the pot cover and the pot, one is milchis and one is fleshik, but Eino Ben Yomo can do nothing. Eino Ben Yomo cannot answer the other one. There is an extreme case, I'm not going to discuss it now, it's where you do double charif where something's very sharp. But let's not leave it out for a moment, because in our, in our world of thinking, it's not a common thing, and uh, if it would come up, you could remember in the back of your head that that's an issue. So now we have, what's, what if they are both, if the pot cover and the pot, are, one is milkis, one is fleishiks, and they were both used in, tw- in the last 24 hours for milchiks, one was milchiks and one was fleishiks, and they both were used. And you wash them out, they're clean, and you put something inside, the parba thing, water, or soup, whatever it is, and now potatoes, and you're cooking them up now, so you're merging the secondary taste from the pot cover into the pot, and from the and into the food, and the and the and from the pot into the food, into the and then through the vapor cycle, you're merging them all together inside each other. So according to the Ask the Svardim, everything's okay, even though you lose it in the last 24 hours, but still everything's okay. According to the Ashkin, uh, we shouldn't have said that. Not so simple. Uh, the food would be okay. If it would be just water, I don't know if the, I don't believe that the uh, the Svardim would tell you to use the water if it was just water. But if it's any food, they, they would tell you everything's fine. According to the Ashkenazim, you've got a major problem here because you're, because you have two Napranats from, a, from, a, from something that's used within 24 hours. So we, he, he would, uh, the Ramor would answer both Kalim, and if it, was, if it was water, he'd throw it out. If it would be food, he would let you keep the food. So that would be the difference in the case of where they were both Ben Yomo. Now, um, what happens if you do the case that we, we started with now, which was the gentleman's uh, pot cover was actually used today, and the the pot was not used today for cooking uh, fleishiks. It had been, the, but the milk, the cover had been used today for cooking milchiks, and there might be residue on the bottom even. So the mice, what we told him was that you consider the food to be milchiks because the pot cover has real stuff on it, and it has been used within the last 24 hours, and through the vapor cycle, you're making the food or the whatever was inside the pot to be milchiks. But the, uh, the pot does not need... Uh, the, the, the pot uh, needs to be kashered, according to the Minigha Ramor, and the pot cover does not need to be kashered, because the pot cover was used today, but the pot was not used today, and since the pot wasn't used today, I mean, for cooking fleshics, 
then it can't make the pot cover treif. So the pot cover makes the pot co- treif, or whatever you want to call it, and the pot does not make the pot cover treif because it was eno ben yomo, the pot was eno ben yomo. That, and, as far as, and the food, we said, we'll call it to be dairy because the pot cover was covering it, had some droplets, and, it, uh, had, and the, the vapor cycle was taking from the pot cover into the food, and that was the end of his shiloh. So I would like to go on and tell you another little bit more, but I see it's like intense, and I don't want people to <laughs> hang up on me. So we're going to go, if we can, we'll go back to it. But let's mention a few things that are happening today, um, and uh, we'll get something out of that. And then, of course, we'll, if we can, we'll go back to this topic. This is something that I got today. Uh, it's real. It happens. It's the real world. And uh, that's it. People have to keep their eyes open. And you can't believe everybody all the, every time. In other words, the fact that somebody has a good ashkacha does not mean that tomorrow they ha- won't have the ashkacha dropped. And for good reasons. Listen to this one. I received it today. It's from Eretz Israel. There's a cafe, Aroma, that um, is located in Mamilla Mall in Yerushalayim. It lost its hechsher because the place was open on Shabbos. And they were breaking, they were, they were actually doing work in the, in the store on Shabbos. It seems there were Haredi residents who were going to Davin at the Kosel, and they saw the store had a lot of workers inside while it was still Shabbos. So they told the staff that it was still Shabbos, but the people inside ignored them, and they continued to work on Shabbos. Now, the, this particular place is not just Aroma Cafe, which is pretty, uh, uh, you know, pretty big number in Israel, and, and this is supposedly the best one of all of them because of the view. The view is unbelievable, so they, they, everyone loves this particular Aroma, but it's not just it has a Hashkocha, it had Mahadrin Hashkocha, which is the top of the line. How this happens, obviously, the first thing you have to know is they, it doesn't sound like the, like the Rabbanut has the keys. Because if they have the keys, how did they get in? Now you say you could always uh, this, you could get this key if you're the owner. You know, okay, maybe it's true, but that's a, that's a serious issue. But we go further. This particular place not only has had, it's over with, it never had, it or, not only did it have the Mahadran Hashkacha of Banut Yerushalayim, I assume, but it also had the Badats of the Chassam Sofer. It had two good Hashkachas. Now, I don't know what's going on today in Israel. I haven't been there many years. But when I was there, I visited many establishments, and I went with the different hashkachos, and I met in their offices, and I had a lot of information firsthand. You, you, you know, you, it's amazing what I saw and heard. And I visited the people who run the, the Badats, the, sorry, the Rabbanut Mahadran 
of Yerushalayim. It seems that they have, this is beautiful, Yerushalayim has two hashkochas, the ragil and the mahadrin, which means the rabbinate of Israel has, a, gives a, the rabbinate of Yerushalayim, I'm sorry, gives a hashkocha that's, that's ragil, regular hashkocha, that's one rabbi in charge. A completely different rabbi and staff maintains the rabbinut mahadrin. You, if, you, if you're in this group, that's what you're with. And they, it's not like they said, oh, well, we're going to upgrade you to this and tomorrow we're lowering you to that. that. That happens, but it's trading off a new rabbi comes in. It's really a, an entirely different operation. And the quality was different. So Rabbanu Rishalai Mahadran is a standard. And even those people, the B'nai Torah, who are very, very careful, some of them use Rabbanu Mahadran Yerushalayim, even though they wouldn't use a Rabbanut at all, and were definitely even a Rabbut Mahadrin they wouldn't rely upon elsewhere in the country, but in Yerushalayim, many of them rely on it. And then you have a Badatz of Chassam Soifer on top, two Ashkachas. And these people were open. It was a few hours before Shabbos is over. The Kashmir's Council of the Badatz publicized that they took off their Ashkacha. It was, right? A few hours after Shabbos was over, it was over with this badatz of the of Chassam Sofer, no longer hashkocha on this place. And here's what they said. We want to publicize to the public that due to the opening of the branch on Shabbos, we hereby revoke our hashkocha effective immediately until we can clarify the issue. The Rabbanut said that the issue was checked by the regional kashra supervisor. The owners of the, of the ranch have been called for a disciplinary meeting with the chief rabbi that is set to take place Monday afternoon, which is today, and I won't know the answer to this for a while, and maybe if I'll ever get an answer from what's happening. But the point is, such things do occur. The question is how they occur, what happened with the keys, these are big, big questions, but unfortunately, every day of the week, you got something interesting like this happening. Since we discussed our topic, I'd like to share with you a different topic, uh, which came from the OU. The OU has a daily halacha yomis. That's what, that's what it means. Daily is halacha yomis, right? Daily halacha yomis. And uh, you can get it free by just signing up. I um, don't know anymore where you go, but uh, you, could, so you can probably just go on the website, ou.org and sign up for the Halacha Yomis, which is very interesting. Many of them are uh, well-researched, and usually um, they, they tie into the Psokim, or at least they mention, and they, they did it, L'Zeich HaNishmas, Rabbi Yisrael Belsky. Okay. The question that, of today, that's 621, cheese blintzes were fried in oil, in a frying pan that was used for meat in the last 24 hours. How do I kosher the pan? Okay, cheese blintzes were fried in oil in a frying pan that was used for meat in the last 24 hours. Now, you know a frying pan is, is worse than even a pot because it comes directly in contact with the meat. And it was used in the last 24 hours and he put the cheese blintzes, or she put the cheese blintzes, and she fried it in oil to get in this 
in this pan? How do I kosher the pan? So the OU answers and how to do it. The method for kosher in the frying pan depends how much oil was used. There's, some, there's a difference between a little slip, a little, little, uh, 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 no, a little smearing of oil on the bottom so that it won't stick to the pan. And there's another kind of frying where you, you have a, a deep fry. The two methods of kosher in the frying pan depend on how much oil was used. If a fry, if fried in a non-stick pan with no oil, that's what the you know the new the new pans today, the pan has the same status as a grill, and you're gonna have to kosher with libun. Now let me tell you what libun is. You have to get it to be red hot. To do that, you'll kill the pan because it's because non-stick pan's gonna get killed. And to do it, it's very dangerous. And therefore, I don't advise it to you. I just advise you to throw it out if you used it on non-stick pan. If you put real milk, real fleischicks on it, and it's a really milking thing, there's no way to kosher it. So it's, he says you need libun. If there's a thin layer of oil was used, it's halachically the same as being dry. He quotes a pre which says that a small amount of oil is defined as a coating of oil that does not cause the food to sizzle. I don't know what that means. It's got to be very, very little. The Mishnah Brewer quotes this ruling as well. If the pan will not survive libun, such as a pan with a non-stick coating, the pan cannot be kashered and should be discarded. So if there's nothing on there, it's no stick, you've got to make libun. And if it's going to kill it, as it will these, these non-stick pans... You have to throw it away. If you put a thin layer of oil on, you're also going to have to throw it away. If a considerable amount of oil was used, but the oil dried up or was absorbed into the food, some poiskim allow hagala, but the shulchan aruch says that the frying pan requires libun. If the pan will be ruined by performing libun, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein writes in Nigris Moshe Yeridea, Chela Gimel, in part two, he says that one can rely on the lenient opinion and kasha with a light form of libun, which is accomplished by putting it into a regular oven at 550 for an hour, or hagala. But this should be done after you wait 24 hours. So first you wait, tw- so again, the only heter is a frying pan that had oil, and there was a considerable amount of oil, but the oil dried up, was absorbed into the food. In such a case, some people permit hagal and others don't. But if there's a lot of oil and it's still there, hagal would be acceptable according to what they're ruling over here. But if it, it dries up, it's a machlaikas. However, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein does say that you could rely on leaning an opinion and the kasherit in your oven at uh, 5.50 for an hour, or you make hagala, putting it into a pot of boiling water and making sure that all of it gets in slowly but surely. You have to wait 24 hours before you do the koshering. If a considerable amount of oil was used and the oil did not dry up during the frying, the pan can be koshered with hagala or liban kal. Liban kal is that 5.50 in the oven, and, liban, and hagala is just putting it into the hot, in hot boiling water. Here, too, it should be a 24-hour downtime before koshering.
So this is how they recommend you deal with this frying pan. So I mentioned it probably twice already, uh, but it's a lot of years, so I, if, you, if you don't remember it, I, guess I can get away with saying it one more time. Uh, a friend of mine, was, was, uh, he act, we actually had learned in our yeshiva, and he uh, was a mashkiach for a kashvist agency, and he, he found that they were using margarine, which was dairy, in the fleshika cooking on, on the frying pan. And we just finished discussing the frying pans are very hard to kosher. So the, he, he went to the, he called his uh, Rav HaMachshir. And the Rav HaMachshir told him, throw out the frying pan. Take, there were three frying pans. He didn't know anymore which one it was. He said, take one and throw it away. We don't, you don't know which one it was? Take one and throw it away. So that's what we do when something is bottled with two against one. We say, we, have a, we, we throw one away. That's how we deal, the, how Ashkenazim deal with the Wechad betray bottle, two against one, so then it's kosher, but you still have to throw one away. So throw one of the frying pans away. So uh, the question was, we were discussing in the yeshiva, why should you throw the uh, frying pan away? So we figured out maybe it's the rabbi was afraid that he'll burn himself. Because to do, to do koshering properly in the frying pan, a big metal frying pan, a commercial size, in a in a, uh, in a it was a res- it was a restaurant that he was a mashkiach in, and that to do a to do a proper kashering on this thing, he's got to get it red hot. He gets it red hot, and he comes in contact with it, and he's burnt. So the hashkocha agency is going to have to pay his medical bills, and they, and they messed up a rab uh, this young man, and so they don't want this. So the answer was throw away the pan, throw away a pan. Because I don't want you messing around with it. That's how I figured out what, what was going on. But the question was, I told him, you didn't have to throw it away. You could have taken one and kashered it. So he said, but how can you kosher it? It's a frying pan. But the Rav Zatzal, the Rav Zimmerman Zatzal, told us that when you use a frying pan in a normal manner with a lot of oil in it, you're really frying something, then you could kosher it. And we just saw here that the OU was telling you the same thing, and they bring your Moshe Feinstein on it as well. So that there are ways to catch the frying pan, but again, you have to judge how much oil was there and to see that it was done properly. Uh, it, it doesn't produce a question of whether you can catch it at all. Um, throwing away one is only when you don't know which one it was. In that, that case, in the restaurant, he did not anymore know which one of the frying pans it was. Which... <laughs> Personally, I'm a little frustrated about because you know I know the man, and the the right way for a mashkiach to act is to grab it right away, and put it away, and not let let not it move. A lot of young men, or even older men, are intimidated. A lot of mashkichim are totally intimidated. Sometimes the the people they work for are tough, and sometimes it's not a question of them tough. It's just a question that they're intimidated. They're not sure what we should do in this particular case. And therefore, they let the bottle bus walk all over them. I remember one case of a, a mashkiach, and he was asked to, you know, give me... Uh, he was, uh, the, the, the owner clearly cheated on the hashkocha's policies and took a salad that was not checked and used it. 
And basically, the mashkir was told to keep his mouth shut. And he did. Of course, he felt bad about it later and guilty, and maybe he, maybe, maybe he told him something and stuff later on. I don't know. But this is where, you know, sometimes we're pressured too far. And with a mashkiach, he's being paid by the owner. So you have to hope and pray that he has enough Yerushalayim not to give in all the time. Let's go on to another one or two cases. And the few times, the little time we have left, I want to go on to some other cases. I'm not necessarily going to go through them in depth, but, we, but let's first start with uh, a general discussion of we, we, st- we just left off, which is when the pot and the dairy uh, is, and the uh, pot cover, let's say one is meat and one is dairy, and you're only cooking the part of the foods. Uh, but but they're both Ben Yomo, if they're both been used within 24 hours, the pot cover and the pot, so then the food is usr, according to the Ashkenazim, and the, uh, the both pot, co- the covers, the cover and the pot are both usr, according to the Ashkenazim. But according to the Svardim, it's all okay. It could be that you can't use the liquid for purely milchiks or fleshes, maybe you use a part of it, I don't know. But it definitely with the, with the, uh, the Svardim, it's be okay. And uh, if one of them was a Ben Yomo, then the non-Ben Yomo is kosher. That's what we just taught you today, that the, uh, the one that, that was not Ben Yomo becomes forbidden by the Ben Yomo one. And that's, uh, that's the case of the, the Ramor's opinion, and that was the, where we were headed today, where we made the pot cover uh, to be kosher, but the pot itself didn't need koshering. Let's discuss two more, three more cases. We'll get, see if we can get them in here. One is where there's a dairy pot, and the dairy pot is cooking real milk, but it didn't get boiled yet. So, and you put the meat lid on it. Now, what ha- could happen is you could remove the lid very quickly and everything will be okay. Because if you remove it quickly, it did not start to, to create a vapor cycle yet. This is brought down as one of the examples of what we call miyad. If you, if you act instantaneously, you could save the day. But you'll have to clear it with your rabbi, probably, before you decide everything's okay. And we all have a yetzahara, because when food is uh, been cooking for, for hours on the stove, or even for 15 minutes on the stove, so that you've reached a boiling point, and uh, when you reach the boiling point, if you put a pot cover on, it's considered to be, there's no miyad, even miyad, even right away it's going to cause a problem. Because the vapor cycle really starts right away when it's burning hot. It doesn't take very long. So this is a thing that you'd have to leave to a rub to decide whether taking it off immediately saved the day and how hot the, the, the food was and when it was on the fire. Uh, these are things you'll have to uh, discuss with a rub. But the concept is, if you have a dairy pot cooking with milchiks in it, and it didn't yet boil, and you put a meat lid on, it could be removed if you do it right away, and the food would be okay, uh, and the, uh, the cover uh, would, would, would need to be koshered, uh, but, uh, you, and the food inside, you should remove it to a clipper, because it, 
because we're afraid that something came down from the top. But God, again, so in, in this case, where the pot cover, uh, does, I mean, it was assuming it's clean, or it has even a few drops on it, it's not going to be too much, but something will fall down from the top. So we do want to, uh, we have to weigh that with a rov to see how soon it was taken off. Let's say you have a, a meat lid, on, and it's cool, and you're putting it onto a boiling pot, and you remove it immediately. So maybe that will save the day, and uh, maybe not. These are things, as I said, we have to consult the Rav, and uh, I, I don't think it's worth our going into it any further today because it's, it's complex. The one, con- one th- case we did take up was where the pot cover was Ben Yomo, Milchix, and had been used within the last couple of hours for Milchix and had not been washed off, and it was put onto a Parva pot or Fleshika pot, and the pot had not been used within 24 hours for Fleshix. So in that case, we want you to kasher the pot. We don't need to kasher the uh, pot cover, but the food we will consider to be milchix because the pot cover was milchix. Another very common problem, very simple to understand, is when you pour from a pot, let's say, for example, you have a flesh sugar pot, and there's part of a soup inside, and you pour that part of a soup, burning hot, into a, in, into an, uh, a bowl. And the bowl is, let's say the, the bowl is milchix. If you do pour it directly from a, a clean fleshika pot that was used within 24 hours for fleshix, and you pour it onto a dish in a bowl, whatever it is, that's milchix, so, according to the, the Ashkenazic way, it has to be kosher. Um, it, it, if it was dirty with milchiks or fleishiks, whatever it is, in the case, this case fleishiks, then for sure it has to be kosher. But we're talking about here where you cooked it even a, a part of a thing inside, but the keili had been used within 24 hours for fleishiks, so we're going to have to kosher a, a plate that it pours onto or bowl or whatever it is it pours onto from, uh, from direct. When you use a ladle, it changes because a ladle may now make it a shlishi. Like on, in, when we're dealing with Shabbos, a ladle could make a thing a shlishi, and in that case, it might not answer. So this is something you have to discuss with your rub, but I'll tell you the trick. The trick is, if your ladle sat in the soup, if the ladle sat in the soup while it was on the fire, you take, you know, you're taking out a, some, some uh, soup, and you'll put the ladle in for a second. In that case, we may be machmir, because, uh, because what happens is the ladle becomes like a clear rishon. It becomes like the pot itself. But if you're scooping out with the ladle the first time, or second time, but you're just scooping out and not putting the ladle down, 
then that ladle is a secondary. Like a, it's like the bowl. It's like the the bowl you're being poured into, and then you pour from that into your bowl. So then, we would not necessarily need the kasher. We would have to wait 24 hours, and we could use the milchika thing again. So I think that gives you a little bit of an idea of some of these topics. I'm, I know it's a little bit hard for some of you. Uh, usually we go on to regular topics of, of kashas in the world today. But I did want to go through this shayla. Hopefully everybody got something out of it. And if you got a little confused and you have to ask shaylas of your rabbi, that's also good. Because in the end, the rav has to pask in the shayla. Whatever you hear here is hopefully helpful. But your own rub has the Pasch and the Shaila. And a lot of times, the Shaila comes out completely different than you think. Sometimes we forget little details about it, and we don't understand that things are not as bad as we say. Sometimes things are worse than we thought. Whatever it is, it's always best to ask the Shaila, even if you think you know already. But hopefully today's program made you a little bit more aware. So... That's it for today. I would like to just remind everybody, if they want to contact us, our telephone number is 718-336-8544 or 732-534-9363. And the email address is kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. I just want to let everybody know that we came out with the Kosher Supervision Guide and with the kosher travel guide, and they're being mailed out to all of our uh, people. The, the, the kosher supervision guide will not be mailed out for another couple of weeks. It's going out with the next issue, but the kosher travel guide is going, going out, and if anybody wants to get a travel guide, uh, it's only $9, or you want to get the kosher supervision guide at $16, just call us at one of these numbers again, 732-534-9363, or 718-336-8544, or shoot us an email at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. The price, again, the Kosher Travel Guide to 418 cities across the United States of America. It was a tremendous amount of effort we put into getting it straight out this year. It was not such an easy thing. And the Kosher, tra- the kosher Supervision Guide to 1,400, I forgot, 96, 97, whatever it was, uh, you can get that from us. Take good care. Have a wonderful week.